You're listening to highlights from One Planet Podcast's interview with Jess Wilbur, international outreach climate advocate at Citizens Climate Lobby. So just tell us this wonderful nonpartisan organization, Citizens Climate Lobby, how did you come to it? Just tell us a little bit more about it, how people can get involved. Yeah, definitely. So when I was in high school, I recognized that climate change was going to be the largest problem facing my generation and future generations. And I couldn't help but feel like there was nothing I could do in the face of such an impending problem. So I was actively looking at different organizations that I could become involved with that would help me develop the skills and knowledge I needed to be an effective climate advocate and really advocate for the change that I wanted to see in terms of climate policy. I didn't have much luck during high school, and so I started to feel really alienated and helpless once again. But then in my freshman year of college, our student sustainability director actually got an email from, at the time, higher education coordinator Clara Fang at Citizens Climate Lobby, and she was looking for students who would be interested in helping her to pioneer a campus leader program, which would basically give students the skills and knowledge they needed to become effective climate advocates. So since that mission was exactly in line with what I was looking for, and going on the website and researching Citizens Climate Lobby, I found that all of the organization's values of optimism, of integrity, of building relationships based on kindness and respect, and most importantly, nonpartisanship. Those were all of the values that I hold most dear as well. So it seemed like the perfect fit for me, and I decided to jump in and start a chapter at my college, Oberlin College. In terms of the specifics of the bill, how it works is first with the implementation of a carbon fee. So the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act puts a fee on fossil fuels like coal, oil, and gas, and it starts low, growing over time. So it will help drive down the carbon pollution because energy companies, industries, and consumers will move toward cleaner, cheaper options, which will inevitably be that green energy. So the next portion is the carbon dividend. The money collected from the carbon fee is allocated in equal shares every month to the American people to spend as they see fit. Program costs are paid from the fees, but they're incredibly minimal portion of the actual fee that gets collected. So the government really doesn't keep any of the money for itself. This means that low and middle income families will earn enough to break even, if not even earn more than they need to offset the economic burden of a carbon tax. The third portion is the border carbon adjustment. So in order to protect U.S. manufacturers and jobs, imported goods will be assessed or will have assessed a border carbon adjustment. Goods exported from the United States will receive a refund under this policy and goods imported from Countries that don't have a similar carbon pricing mechanism in place will actually be more expensive. This will help make sure that American companies can't just outsource the production of their goods and pollute elsewhere. It really makes sure that they stay here and that they're held accountable for the pollution that they're causing. And finally, there is a regulatory adjustment. 
This policy preserves effective current regulations like auto mileage standards, but it pauses the EPA authority to regulate CO2 and equivalent emissions covered by the fee for the first 10 years after the policy is enacted. If emission targets are not being met after that 10-year period, Congress gives clear direction to the EPA to regulate those emissions once again to meet the targets. So the pause does not impact EPA regulations related to water quality, air quality, health, or other issues. This policy's price on pollution will lower carbon emissions for more than existing and pending EPA regulations. And this regulatory pause is really just to make sure that we're not double regulating anything in the government. Obviously, I started in Citizens Climate Lobby as a campus leader, educating students at my college about carbon pricing and climate advocacy at large. I moved up to be a regional fellow, which was basically overseeing a network of other student leaders across the Great Lakes and also working with their educators to implement more climate advocacy work in the classroom to really bridge that divide between academia and activism. Then I went on to work with various departments in CCL for internships. So I dabbled a little bit in volunteer education and engagement, in diversity work, in our international outreach team now. But my current part-time job is actually helping to start a new 501c3 nonprofit, which was originally called the All Kendall Residence Climate Initiative. What that organization was hoping to do is to create a model for seniors interested in getting involved in the climate movement to have the access and have the resources that they need for their specific demographic to become more involved and to have the ability to advocate alongside their children and grandchildren, knowing that the future of the climate movement is going to be faces of these young people. So the organization now is changing its name to Senior Stewards Acting for the Environment. And we're really excited to get off the ground. We're still very much in the development stages, but hopefully you'll hear more about our organization soon. Initially, I think you wanted to get into writing policy. I'm not sure if that's something that's still your trajectory or not. It's definitely something that I'm still interested in, and I hope to go to grad school for sometime down the line. But I think where I'm at right now in using my power as a citizen to lobby my elected officials and then to inspire others to do the same, that's something I'm still continuing to be very energized by. And so I don't think I'm quite ready to make that switch over to being on the the other side of, of that meeting yet. But that is definitely sort of my end goal, is working either in the U.S. or internationally to write these climate policies and to make sure that the policies that are being written are not just looking at what could benefit the U.S. and other major economic powers in terms of driving down emissions and making them more energy efficient economies, but also protecting the developing countries that are hit the hardest by climate change, but are contributing the least to it. So I really want to make sure that any policies that get written or that are negotiated upon moving forward are the sorts of policies that really advocate for and help support sustainable development within countries that are being hit the hardest and are contributing the least. 
Yeah, there is something about spending time in the natural world that is so energizing. The idea that the natural world is degrading before our eyes. And there are so many areas in the U.S. alone that are irreversibly damaged from the way that my parents once viewed them. For example, I recently went to the Indiana Dunes and my mom and dad didn't really recognize a lot of the scenery that they saw in front of them. And I also went to a state park called Starved Rock in Illinois this past summer, and it was the same thing. My parents didn't really recognize the scenery because the water level was so much lower and there were so many fewer trees than there had been in the past. And so the idea that these places that give us so much energy and that give us so much life are being killed and taken away by us is really terrifying. And is your family also involved in trying to do what they can to reverse climate change? They're actually not. Both of my parents are doctors and they have been seeing a lot of COVID patients recently. But I think that the reason why I got into advocacy work and I became so concerned about how climate change affects specifically vulnerable communities is because I saw how hard my parents worked for the good of other people growing up. There would be so many days where they would spend more time with their patients than they would with me because they recognized how important it was for them to be seeing their patients, for them to be there, like walking them through everything that was going on with their health and walking them through all of the things that they could do to improve their health and the potential procedures that they might need to improve their health. And so just knowing how dedicated my parents were to other people's lives made me want to do the same thing. I just ended up applying it in a different sector. I think the first thing in terms of getting involved, I want people to remember that at least in the U.S., we have a democracy for a reason. It's supposed to be us regular citizens getting involved in the political process and holding our elected officials accountable for the work that they're doing because they are supposed to be working for us. Unfortunately, we haven't been seeing that a lot in the past few decades. We haven't been seeing this commitment to our health and our safety and the ability for our younger generations to have a fair fighting chance at a long life. It's our responsibility now to hold our elected officials accountable, to get engaged in the democratic process, to learn how to build relationships with our elected officials. And I was just some random kid from like the suburbs of Chicago and I've been able to meet with my members of Congress multiple times and to really voice what I wanted to say. And I've been able to make weekly phone calls and emails checking in on my members of Congress from those meetings that I've had with them. I want to help people understand that there are resources where they can learn to do the same. And Citizens Climate Lobby is one of the many organizations hoping to do that. If you don't find that your core values quite match up with Citizens Climate Lobby, there are so many other organizations in the environmental movement, in the political movement in the U.S. that will help you get involved and will help you build these same skills so that you, too, can feel as though your voice matters again. We hope you've enjoyed this program. 
If you would like to get involved in One Planet podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.